You're listening to the Urban Astronomer Podcast. Hi, it's me, Alan Fansfeld again, and I am so relieved to be able to bring you episode three of the second season of the Urban Astronomer Podcast. If you listened to the last episode, then you're probably expecting this to be an interview episode featuring Dr. Rosalind Skelton of the South African Astronomical Observatory. I spoke to her in June last year, and we recorded an interview specifically for this episode. But when I came to actually produce the thing, the recording was gone. The gods of technology turned their back on me, and gremlins ate it. So, no Roz today. Instead, I was lucky enough to get Dr. Daniel Kanemer to stand in for her. Daniel also works at the SAAO, although in a different role, and I am very lucky that his recording was still intact. So that's what we'll be hearing today, and Dr. Skelton will appear in a few weeks in a later episode after we've re-recorded her interview. Daniel caught my attention when I met him at the Astronomical Society of South Africa's Symposium in 2018, where he presented a talk on the upcoming 200th anniversary of the Cape Town Observatory, where the symposium was held. He works for SAAO as a science engagement astronomer, and it so happens that his father taught me English and drama in high school, which meant we'd grown up in the same town, and that gave us something to talk about. Fast forward a year, and he not only agreed to appear as a guest on this show, but he has started a podcast of his own called The Cosmic Savannah Podcast. I subscribed a few episodes ago, and I suggest you do too. He and his co-host happen to have already interviewed some of the people you'll recognize from this season of Urban Astronomer, and they do a great job of getting some different perspectives on their work. But you can go listen to that later. Right now, here's... Daniel Kanema. Uh, my name is Dr. Daniel Kanema, and officially I'm the science engagement astronomer at the South African Astronomical Observatory. And I'm tasked here with the promotion and um, communication of our our science to the public and to uh, yeah whoever is interested. So. Um, can you tell us a little bit about about um, about SAO? Um, I say we've got quite a long history, but it's took a while to build up. Yeah, sure. So the the SAO has a, a long history, as you say. We'll be celebrating our uh, two hundred year anniversary next year in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the observatory right. was established uh, on this site in eighteen twenty, um, and since then has been involved in various aspects of astronomy uh, over the years. Uh, various significant discoveries. Um, But these days, and particularly in the last uh, couple of decades, uh, the observatory has become the the premier optical and infrared uh, observatory on the African continent. We host uh, just over, I think about 15 at the last count, uh, telescopes at our observatory in Sutherland. In the Northern Cape, right, and the flagship telescope being uh, the Southern African Large Telescope, of which we are thirty percent partners, and that is a ten-meter optical telescope uh, with a quite a nice high-resolution spectrograph on it, and so yeah. so we're basically uh, tasked with providing the facilities for uh, optical and infrared astronomy in in Southern Africa. This 200th anniversary that's coming up, um, 
that coincides with um, what's it, the Royal Astronomical Society as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So the Royal Astronomical Society was also established in 1820. Um, we actually have uh, secured some funding from the Royal Astronomical Society through that process, uh, through their, their RAS 200 celebrations, uh, to put up a, an exhibition on astronomical data through the ages. So we're in the process of uh, designing and, and putting together that exhibit, which we hope to have completed early next year. Uh, and that will be exhibited uh, at the Ezeco Museum, uh, as well as uh, the Sutherland uh, Visitor Center, our, our visitor center in Sutherland. And ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, although I haven't um, managed to secure funding to put up a visitor center here in Cape Town, but hopefully we'll be able to to display the exhibit here in Cape Town too. So what would that look like? The astronomical data exhibit at the moment is envisaged to be uh, an exhibit which kind of follows the thread of a a comet. So uh, we have quite a few observations of comets from here in, in Cape Town over the years, uh, ranging from sketches of some of the early comets to some of the first f- uh, the first photographs of comets um, and and then obviously these days we we have uh, small instruments and we'll be getting a the Atlas telescope which is looking for sort of uh, asteroids and and those sorts of objects um, next year so we're trying to weave this this thread of um, how the astronomical data has been captured over the years through the story of of comets in particular. Obviously, astronomy covers all all sorts of things, not just comets. Um, and the work we've done here at the observatory has has covered many of these things. But just in terms of trying to keep a single thread, we're focusing on on comets. Um, so we'll be starting off with these sketches and displaying some of the the old sketches we have and the original. Uh, photographs, glass plates, um, and talk a little bit about how how the the developments uh, proceeded and how astronomers came about uh, sort of doing these these um, new techniques of recording astronomical data. Um, right. Glass plates, as you know, are incredibly rich in astronomical data. They they're still a, a mm. valuable resource. Um, and then ultimately, we would like to in- include. And talk about the the big data of today, which is obviously uh, the word is bandied around a lot, and um, it's not clear really what it's referring to a lot of the time. But in this context, and in the context of comets, um, what we're going to do is build an augmented reality experience where uh, the the user can interact with uh, some of the the artifacts we have there, like a, an image of a comet, an, an old image of a comet or a glass plate or something, hold up their device um, or uh, if not their device, then we, we will have tablets provided um, that and then sort of interact in an augmented reality way uh, with a 3D model of a comet. Um, and you can sort of spin around and, and see how we can incorporate all of these these visualizations into our science these days. So that's the... Would that work 
based on if you're in the same room, then you can turn around and look around the comet, or, or uh, does it just overlay it? Yeah, so it'll it'll overlay it on on the picture. The device needs to be okay. to be looking at the 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 target image. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. we could have the target image uh, in the center of the room, and you could walk around it um, and kind of explore oh, the explore the comet. Yeah, just to okay. try and make it um, sort of more interactive and and try and demonstrate some of the like the visualizations and things which which astronomers use these days, not just uh, for uh, you know outreach purposes, mm. but also for scientific sort of inquiry. We were working with the Inter-University Institute for Data Intensive Astronomy at uh, at UCT, and they've spent a lot of time working with the planetarium and in a sort of visual half dome uh, to try and uh, display all of this astronomical data we have these days. So we, we're using some of their visualizations and incorporating those into uh, into this. Exhibit. Is this like what they were doing at the planet? Um, sorry, the last time I was at the planetarium, um, I think it was last year, um, they they demonstrated their data visualization using the, the planetarium projector. Is is this the yes. same? Yes. The same system. Yeah. So, okay. so that's that's the same institute. The, um, they they spend quite a lot of time. I think they have a, a an afternoon a week uh, of dedicated planetarium time where they get to go and explore their data and and play around with it a bit um, to try and you know see what they can learn and display. Well, that sounds very interesting, actually. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that exhibit. I think it'll it'll be really, really yeah, nice. Yeah, I wanted to make a special trip down to see it. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, I expect you to make a special trip down anyway uh, in October next year. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that all of the astronomers in South Africa will make a special trip down in October next year. Hmm. So at the at the moment, in terms of the the 200 year. Uh, Anniversary. While we're talking about it, we're we're planning a couple of events around that, um, and obviously this this exhibit that we're doing with the Royal Astronomical Society. But that's just a small part of it. Uh, but our official anniversary is in October next year. Uh, the twentieth of October was the 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 the, the date. So uh, mm-hmm. that that week from the the nineteenth to the twenty fifth of October, we'll be running various events. Uh, to celebrate the 200 year anniversary and and basically try to um, well what I would like to do with it is try and bring together the the astronomy community in South Africa and and further afield in Africa in general. Um, mm-hmm. So what we're uh, having is a, a conference, a four day conference from the Monday to the Thursday, uh, and that'll be on the sort of history of astronomy. But it will range from the indigenous, indigenous sort of ethno astronomy um, stories of the of the sky um, and some work that has been done around that in terms of capturing those stories, uh, the the stories that have come from from this observatory and across the rest of Africa, um, the the contributions that have been made uh, uh, over the over the centuries to to global astronomy. Uh, and then talk about the more recent uh, developments, like I was talking about in terms of the last couple of decades, uh, SALT, uh, all of the other developments which are happening here at the SAO, but also things like Meerkat and SKA. Um, Meerkat, as you know, is is fully operational now, and, and that's a, 
the the most powerful radio telescope in the world. So uh, mm. I'm hoping to have uh, very fairly high level talks about these sorts of things um, from the the chief scientists involved in these sorts of projects, and then uh, and then also move into the future and look at where Africa is heading in terms of astronomy uh, in the next few decades and. And, and what what there is to look forward to, obviously the SKA is a is a massive thing, um, but but what else is going on there? There is a lot of development. There's a lot of human capacity development going on, so hmm. so that's a very exciting event, um, which we'll be hosting uh, in that week in October. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we were the observatory was declared a national heritage site uh, in December last year. And mm-hmm. uh, we will be hosting an unveiling ceremony, so that'll be a ministerial uh, event. The uh, the appropriate ministers will be invited and um, unveil the the plaque. Uh, on again, we'll do it in that week, so it's going to be a very busy week. Um, but and that that that's a sort of really nice uh, event to kind of cement the. The astronomical her- significance of the site uh, over the last two hundred years, and and to do it on the two hundred year anniversary will be quite special. Um, yeah. So, so that's the the so, other event we're we're running then. The first one, the October one. Who is the who is the audience for that? Is it is it professional astronomers? Is it amateur? Is it anybody with an interest? Uh, so, it's going to be uh, limited to about three hundred and fifty participants. The the conference. Okay. Um, and. It it will be open to to professional and amateur astronomers, but I do expect it to be fairly competitive, and and I would like to keep the the program uh, sort of quite high level, and um, I, I'd like to to co- there's a lot of topics to cover in just four days, so so I suppose you just want to maintain a high standard of of talks, yes, make it worth people's yes, time to attend, yes, so right, yeah, so so keep a very high standard of talks, and and then. Um, and then yeah, I, I I mean I hope I hope to be able to accommodate as many interested parties as as possible throughout uh, South Africa and and Africa, um, and I think that uh, about three hundred and fifty people is is a reasonable number for that. Um, it's 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 not a small conference. Um, it's quite a bit it's quite a bit bigger than the than than, than ASSA's uh, symposium. Yes, exactly. So um, yeah. So so I do hope to to be able to accommodate as as many interested parties as possible. Um, ah, fantastic! Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we hope to be able to announce that in in the next couple of months. We're we're busy uh, working on a website and abstract submissions and things like that. Ah, excellent. Tell me, so I believe another big event coming up. Uh, the um, is the IAU are having their, their their conference in in Cape Town. I believe in a few years' time. Uh, yes, yeah, so that that'll be in twenty twenty four. The International Astronomical Union um, will be hosting their general assembly uh, here in Cape mm-hmm. Town, and that'll be the first time on the African continent that that an IEU um, will be will be held on the African continent. Uh, that's in the sort of hundred year history of the the IEU, so that's very very exciting. Yeah. And and that's kind of uh, as I was mentioning earlier, like I kind of see this two hundred uh, year thing as a a great opportunity to kind of unite. Um, the astronomical community here in the southern in southern Africa, um, and this conference 
uh, in October next year, I see as kind of the the stepping stone to that IAU in 2024. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to need a, a large, cohesive uh, sort of uh, community to pull that off. Um, and uh, I think that this is a wonderful opportunity to bring everyone together uh, and 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 start to prepare for for the IAU in 2024 because it's going to be a momentous event. Uh, yeah. The IAU attracts between three and four thousand professional astronomers, so. So it's, you it's, probably can't use the observatory grounds then. No, we shan't be using the <laughs> observatory grounds. <for> sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a, a massive event over two weeks, um, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously around that there will be many other events. So a lot of outreach activities and science engagement opportunities, uh, and I think that uh, from an African perspective, that it's an excellent opportunity for us because. Not a lot of these astronomers will have been to Africa at all before. Um, so to try and show them what we're capable of, the incredible science we're doing, um, the incredible talent we have, uh, I think it's a it's right. an invaluable opportunity um, for for us to really be be put on the world map. I mean, we are we are already uh, globally recognised as doing incre- like very very good work, but. Um, I think that you know, there's always some some work to be done in terms of that. Yeah, well, that's one of my own concerns. It's part of why I'm why I'm doing shows like this. Yeah, for you sure. Know, it's it's, and I think our own image, sort of generally speaking, is worse, even worse than the international image. You know, we just don't see ourselves as a yeah great scientific and technological center. No, and we really are. Um, so so trying to excite our own public about this and something as something we can be really really proud of um is this is quite um the the I just wanted to mention one other thing about October next year so we're we're hosting three things so we're having the conference which as i said was directed at at mostly professional astronomers and and um interested uh, amateur astronomers um but and then that the the unveiling of the National Heritage Site. But throughout that week, also, uh, we will be organising an astronomy festival. Uh, so, okay. the from the Monday to Thursday, we'll be holding satellite festivals at universities, the planetarium, um, the science centres, uh, to provide talks and workshops uh, and stargazing in the evenings. Uh, so throughout that week, uh, and then on the the Friday and Saturday uh, here at the observatory site, we are planning uh, a large astronomy festival. Um, the One of my colleagues suggested that we try and get 200 telescopes looking at the sky on that night. Um, mm. So uh, I'm going to be sending out requests to anybody who owns a telescope in Southern Africa to please bring it. But but we'll be holding a, a sort of large public festival. So a lot of uh, public talks, uh, events, competitions. Um, we'll have tours of the grounds and um, of, of like exhibits set up and, and basically try mm. and have a large festival where the public can also get involved uh, and learn about all right. of this astronomy that we're, is going on. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. And, and it, how many days did you say this is going to run over? So it's going to run over the whole week, but with various activities sort of um, – uh, at different places. So in in order to reach as many people as possible, we'll we'll be holding these satellite festivals in the first few days. 
um, while mm. while the conference is running, um, we'll be having uh, concurrent satellite festivals. Um, I should also point out that everybody who speaks at the conference, I ex- I'm going to expect it to give a <laughs> a public lecture too. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to sign them up for an evening talk or a or a you know. A, a panel, yeah, a yeah. panel in a pub and a science cafe, or something, some sort of event. Oh, so, um, that sounds like fun. Yeah, so those sorts of yeah. things and workshops, and we'll we we'll have uh, events at the VNA waterfront. And um, I really want it to be a a week when uh, the country is really thinking about astronomy, and and there's there's a lot going mm-hmm. on. So. Well, that's ambitious. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. And, yeah. I, and, and uh, um, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean that positively. I mean, I, no, no, <laughs> I hope I, it's good. I am. Yeah. I am requesting volunteers. Um. <laughs> well, if anyone listening wants to help, uh, we're gonna. <laughs> we'll be giving you Daniel's details later. Yeah. Thank you. But listen, I want to talk about you for a bit. Um, yeah. Sure. What is your background in this? How, how did you get into astronomy? How did you? How do you land a job like that? Oh, it's been a. Um, I mean, as with all careers, it's a bit of a winding road, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody nobody sits at the age of 12 and says, I want to be this, and then is that. Um, especially in this day and age, I think, with the the rate at which careers and, and what is possible is changing. So yeah. for myself, I was I was always interested in astronomy. Um, I grew up in Peter Maritzburg in KwaZulu-Natal, um, and there was a... A fairly active uh, amateur astronomy community there, uh, and they used to have open nights uh, once a month up at World's View. Uh, they would have a little talk, and uh, then they would set up some telescopes and do stargazing. Uh, and I was used to mm. uh, bug my father to drive me there and take me there, and he he always he always did it quite willingly um, to to feed my curiosity. So I've always been in, interested in astronomy. I think I got my first little telescope, which wasn't very good at, for my eighth birthday or something. Um, mm-hmm. But but I, um, after school, I did a, a BSc um, and I didn't immediately intend to get into astronomy. I studied in at UKZN uh, in computational uh, physics. So I was very, very interested in computers. Uh, I enjoyed coding and um pulling apart computers and putting them back together. And uh, I really wanted to incorporate some of that into into my career. Uh, and I, I also really enjoyed physics and trying to understand how the world worked and uh, put it in neat equations and things. So right. so this course was offered as a named degree uh, at UKZN. So I signed up uh, straight away. And I really, really enjoyed that, you know, uh, Starting off doing things like you know modeling a cannonball through the air and including um, you know gravity and air uh, air pressure and all of these things uh, to to very mm-hmm. accurately track its its uh, track um, through the sky, you know modeling a gas, uh, turning the temperature up and down and seeing how the particles like move around and speed up. So so doing yeah. that sort of computational physics. Um, Doing your physics on a computer and letting the computer do the calculations really grabbed me. Uh, after that, I got a, a bursary to attend the National Astrophysics and Space Science Program, which is hosted here at UCT. Uh, mm-hmm. I did, so I did my honors here. Um, 
and that was a, a quite it's i mean it's quite an intense course there's a, a lot of coursework and a lot of um uh, a lot of topics which are covered it's sort of it tries to give you a very broad uh, overview of astronomy um and i think it does right. it really really well uh but I was quite adamant that I knew what I wanted to do um, and I wanted to do more computational physics. So I then actually proceeded with my master's in uh, solid state physics. Uh, so still computational, I was writing code to uh, model individual atoms and uh, crystal structures and then using that to kind of play around with the you know electronic structure of an atom modeling the electronic structure of an atom and then doping these materials with with different atoms so you know dope, okay. doping titanium with iridium and and seeing if it makes a slightly more stable uh, metal and uh, you know we you can you can do this in a computer uh, 20 times a day or 100 times a day with slightly different amounts of whatever um Whereas mm. doing it in a lab is obviously um, very time-consuming and very expensive. So, how well does that work? Sorry, how well does that work? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, how how reliably are you able to predict the actual um, uh, the results you'd get if you were to do it in the lab? Very, very reliably. I mean, we we okay. have in terms of our understanding of the atom uh, and electronic uh -huh. structure, uh, that is, it's pretty well pretty well constrained. Um, things start getting a little bit uh, less predictable at the quantum level. But in terms of uh, material structure, uh, the, the models we have and the sort of the code I was writing and is it's, it's uncannily uh, good. Um, okay. And, yeah. It's it, the predictive power is really quite good. Uh, so, right. yeah, I mean, that was very exciting. Um, and I, I really quite enjoyed that. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, and then subsequent to that, uh, to my master's, uh, I was still looking for for ways to to push the the computational physics. I um, when when I was doing my master's, I was using a small <laughs> little cluster. Um, I think I, it had like four cores or something, maybe eight cores. Um, and at the time, and like you know, sixteen gigs of RAM, which was at the time pretty good, um, and. I, I thought was was quite cool for my masters, but yeah. um, but then when I was looking around for ideas for my PhD, I um, was kind of looking at the computational stuff. I wasn't sure I wanted to carry on with the material doping. Um, and, when was this? Sorry, uh, I finished my masters in two thousand and eight, and you know, with the with the PhD carrying on and with the material stuff, I would have. Uh, ended up sort of working for a mine or something like that um and i uh, i kind of i didn't feel the romantic pull uh for that yeah. um and i was then offered a phd here at the university of western the w university of the western cape in cape town um with uh, Catherine chris who had access to the the center for high performance computing which is based in in rosebank in cape town and mm. has some really quite spectacular supercomputers. Um, they, they, I mean, their current uh, supercomputer has 12,000 cores or something. Um, and when I was working on it, I was working on a, a smaller one, uh, 256 cores with two terabytes of RAM or something, um, right. which was like I had almost 
unlimited access to this machine, um, uh, which was pretty amazing. Uh, I ran my code uh, non-stop for six months <laughs> at one point <laughs> <laughs> on 256 cores, which was yeah quite special. Um, for a for a nerd who likes to to use up computers, yeah. Um, but <laughs> but yeah. So so that was uh, that's kind of always been the the thread that's that's pulled me through is this drive to get into computing and um, but to use the computing to do something physical. Uh, so so yeah, my PhD was uh, based here in Cape Town, and uh, I worked on uh, models of galaxy formation evolution, um, running cosmological simulations. Uh, on on the supercomputers mm. at the CHPC. So from there, I, I got a, a postdoc with the uh, an SKA postdoc, and carried on and carried on with the simulations from there. Um, I then moved to the observatory here in uh, in, in observatory, and yeah, so um, so I did my my second postdoc here at the at the observatory, and I was still working on simulations with Ramil Devay, um, and uh, it, it was kind of like. You know, as I said at the beginning, like your career doesn't um, follow the path you 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 may have envisaged when you were twelve. Um, I was asked if I would for a couple of months um, because our outreach astronomer was on a uh, on leave. Well, she was actually she was visiting the US. Um, I was asked whether I would reply to the public inquiries and answer the phone. Um, mm-hmm. And sort of do radio interviews and things if if they came up, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll I'll, I'll do that. Uh, and then by sort of fortuitous event, uh, that gravitational wave new, binary neutron star merger happened right. uh, in August 2017, while I was supposed to be manning the phone, um, and yeah. Uh, I mean, as you you may have discussed previously, and as the listeners may know, uh, Salt was heavily involved in that. Was the 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 first large telescope to get a spectrum of of that event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so in terms of uh, the SAO, it was a, it was a huge press uh, event, and with a lot of public interest, we held a press conference, uh, a live press conference, uh, along with all the other ones around the world. Uh, and there was a lot of um, media requirements in terms of uh, what what needed to to be done and interviews and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a we had a meeting a couple of weeks before the announcement. And the question was, well, who's going to do the the press conference? And everyone just looked at me. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I, I guess me. <laughs> um, so so I did that. Um, and yeah, I think that went pretty well. And from from there, it kind of just one thing led to another. Like the, we realized that we needed to be doing this more. Uh, we needed uh, a, a sort of, a, a better sort of more coherent strategy when it came to to these sorts of events mm. um uh we need we needed uh to grow our 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 public standing i mean we needed to communicate our science uh for that particular particular event i think we did a really good job of communicating it to the public and the public mm. was very excited but we do a lot of work um uh, and a lot of very exciting work and 
we don't often get that across to the public. So uh, we kind of identified that as something that needed uh, improvement at the observatory, and uh, it seemed like I was the the right person to do that. And yeah. it's kind of just taken taken from there. The, well, you know, it's something I've felt uh, for a long time. It's been very important locally. Um, yes. Because, uh, you know, before I started the podcast and I was blogging, I, did, I used to just subscribe to the, the feeds of various, you know, NASA and ESO and all, all the other big, um, the, the big the big names in, in space science and astronomy. And, yeah, yeah. And so I was getting material to write a story almost daily. Yeah. But trying to find something locally, it was just not announced. It was yeah. – everything felt – all under wraps and quiet. They don't want to talk to people, and so and yeah. I'm really glad you guys are, are are doing this now. You know, it'll make it a lot easier to communicate what we're doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of positive feedback. Like um, astronomers themselves, like I think that the the reason they became astronomers partially because they um, they like to be in a quiet little room alone, mm-hmm. um, which I understand so, completely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in general, I think they they aren't that keen to to speak with the public and we certainly have astronomers here who who won't do interviews mm-hmm. um they just don't feel comfortable talking uh, being recorded or anything like that yeah um which is fair which is fair enough um mm-hmm. uh, it's it's it is not for everyone um but as an observatory and as an institute it's certainly something we have to do um so we have to we have to have the capacity to do it and so if it's not the actual astronomer who was involved then well these days it's me um so uh yeah we we do need to really promote it um and as you said earlier we have a, a lot of incredible science going on here in South Africa mm. and and that that's not really getting promoted um and yeah, I mean, you you have have done an incredible job, um, uh, you know, out of the goodness of your own heart to run your your podcast uh, for so long. Um, and if you don't mind me plugging our <laughs> our podcast, we've we've started a similar one now. I was actually about um, to ask you about that. Yeah, so we uh, we've started a, a podcast myself and a colleague, uh, Jacinta Del Hayes, mm-hmm. who is a postdoc at UCT, uh, working on meerkat data, mm-hmm. uh, and we've started a podcast uh, trying to do exactly this and. Basically, highlight the, the 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 astronomers and the astronomy happening in in Africa. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to speak with the the people who are actually doing the astronomy, the the students, the um, the people behind the scenes, and and not not wait for a paper to come out or a press release or something before we communicate to the public. Um, actually, just speak with people and. Uh, find out their story uh, i mean what does it mean to be an astronomer and what does it mean to be an astronomer in africa mm-hmm. uh what what is your experience what are you working on like how does that go who do you work with like it's it, people don't know these sorts of things and yeah yeah it's it's really nice like it's a nice way to engage so no but that's good there's something i mean that's kind of in the same area as what i'm trying to do but it looks like you're going a little more deeper in the nitty-gritty of the job itself the yeah, the day to day experience we, of it. For, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're fortunate in, in that we we are sitting here at the observatory and we have access to these people. Mm. Um, you know, uh, we have access to the the guys who are building the instrumentation, who are um, sort of at the 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 cutting the cutting edge here. Like, you know, they're in the workshop trying to design some new CCD or something, and and it's fascinating stuff. Mm. But um, but they also don't really feel like talking about it. 
unless you can ask the right questions and and actually listen to their story. Yeah. Um, so, so they they don't want to put together a press release about what they're doing. They don't want to, um, you know, sort of do a TV interview or a radio interview. Yeah. But if you if you just like get them chatting a little bit, like then then you can actually learn some really cool stuff about what's happening. That's pretty much been my strategy as well. Just just let people talk. Um, yeah. Because I don't see myself as a journalist, you know. I'm not trying to get to a specific point and and and, and bring that out and get yeah, people to. You're not trying to get a scoop, right? Right, right. I just want to present. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the people that I'm interested in, not uh, not the story. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree entirely. And and podcasts are a great way to do that, I think, because it's a kind of mm. it is a nice um, kind of un unthreatening way of of taking on some information right right exactly it's very um it's 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 very convenient you know yeah. it's a great and, and intimate too i think yeah yeah you know you, you feel like you've had a conversation with the person yeah um, i mean we, we're talking on a podcast about the feeling of a podcast we're, so it's getting a bit me- it's <laughs> getting a bit meta now yes but, um <laughs> took the words out of my mouth actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um well, listen. Uh, could you just send me uh, your 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 subscribe links or, or the webpage? I can put that yeah, on the show sure. notes. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So, if the podcast you can find at uh, thecosmicsavannah.com. dot uh-huh. uh, Savannah Savannah with a, an H S A V A N N A A H dot com. Um, otherwise, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Cosmic Savannah. All right, great. Uh, and yeah, or we're on iTunes or or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your your podcasts. So, mm. um, all the standard ones, yeah. Yeah. Something which a lot of local South African podcasts don't seem to do. Have you noticed that? They seem what register on on yeah local podcasts. They 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 find a local hosting provider and then they publish on that, and then you you can't find them anywhere else. <laughs> I I don't understand. Anyway, well, I mean, I I did it primarily for my own purposes, so that I can find us on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> The only downside, if you can call it that, I found, is that most of my listeners are overseas. Uh, uh, Amer- yeah, uh, Americans mainly, uh, and then Europeans and then South Africans. But, but yeah. hey, I think uh, an audience is an audience, yeah. and you know. I, I think I think we've done fairly well actually. Our, our statistics are about fifty percent South African at the moment. Oh, that's nice. Um, and 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 that's our high, highest listenership. Um, mm. uh, America's America's second, actually. I think America and Australia might be close, mm. but that's Jacinta's influence because she's originally from Australia. So, oh, okay. Um, I guess she's. I mean, I expect yeah. America to do very well because that's where the biggest podcast market is. You know, there's mm. just more people listening to podcasts there than anything else, and that's always skewed my results. So, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that uh, podcasts as a as a uh, you know a concept are fairly new to South Africa. Mm. Um, the, when I've spoken about the podcast at public lectures and things like that, the, um, people look at me like I'm crazy and like, you know, yeah. what 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 time does it air and on what day? Like, well, no, that's that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> you can listen to it anytime, anywhere. I try to explain. I, try, I always try to explain it as uh, think of it as YouTube, but for radio, not for TV. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can download it and you can listen to it when you're driving if you want to. So yeah, yeah. No, and I think that that's that was the difference for me because I used to listen to podcasts, but I used to, um, I used to have to download the MP3s and like you know mm. burn them to a DVD or a CD and put them in my car. Um, now that my my car can Bluetooth to my phone, then life has become a lot lot easier. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think a lot of people still do that. But we will teach them. We will teach them. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that the the thing is that, and and um, I think what, what you've done really, really well, um, and we're, we're trying to do now with the Cosmic Savannah, is to build up a library of in- interesting stuff mm. um, so that when somebody has their interest tweaked, um, they can go and, and sort of uh, consume some, some information. Some, yeah. Um, and, and like you, I mean, you use YouTube as a, as an example, but YouTube is like that. YouTube has got a incredible library of of content on it. Yeah. So, so what, once you have that library of content, then then people start finding what they're looking for a little bit better. Um, so, mm. it does take a while to build build up this this sort of. Yeah, because I think I'm sitting on about 40, 41, 42 episodes now. Uh, more by the time this episode comes out, but yeah, but yeah. It's hard work, but uh, very rewarding. It is, mm. yeah. It is hard work, and it's um, and it, but you do have a product which is kind of fairly long lasting. At the end yeah. of that, well, um, you've said quite a few very kind things. So yeah. Thank you very much. Um, last one I want to ask you is just uh, just how people can reach you. Uh, how can people get hold of you if they have questions to ask or if they'd like to know more about what we've spoken about? Sure. Um, so personally, you can get in touch with me at the observatory. Um, the my email address is daniel at saao.ac.za mm-hmm. um, and otherwise you can find me on Twitter um, uh, it's um, I think it's just at Daniel Kanama <laughs> I'm not that good at these sorts of things um, but I'm on Twitter and Facebook as Dr. Daniel Kanama um, and I do try and keep a, a sort of uh, active profile going yeah uh, otherwise you can see me on Thursday mornings on, on Expresso too um, when I'm talking about on SABC3 talking about uh, whatever's current and whatever news is is uh, interesting in, in space and astronomy mm-hmm. okay thank you that's great to have um, yeah thanks for your time uh, it's been great chatting to you and um, yeah uh, I guess I'll be appearing on your show soon <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah, thank you very much and thanks for thanks for the interview alright thank you Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I'd be surprised if you didn't. Daniel himself just said, I'm doing a great job, and who are we to argue with that? So if you enjoyed it, please leave a review on your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Podknife or, well, the list is endless, and you'll find me on most of them. If you prefer the personal touch, just mail me directly at podcast at urban-astronomer.com or leave a comment on the show notes page. You'll find that behind the podcast link on www.urban-astronomer.com. And of course, no thank you for listening segments would be complete would be complete without the part where I ask for money. I don't want a lot. I just want to be able to pay my rent and feed my children and keep my internet connection alive. A couple of dollars each should do it. Hit that Patreon button on the urban-astronomer.com website and follow the prompts. Catherine, Margot, Frank and Peter are all tossing a few coins into my upturned hat, so you've got no excuse. But if you can't, or won't, or even if you simply hate having your arm twisted like this, then perhaps there's still something you could do for me. Would you tell a friend, or share a positive message on your social media, or something... Seeing my audience grow is food for the ego, and it's very motivating. 
Anyway, we are basically done here. So here's a quick heads up for next week's episode. Today we did an interview, so next time it'll be one of our patented, record-breaking, blockbusting, science-explainy bits. And what science will I be explaining? Orbits. How they work, why zero gravity is a myth but weightlessness isn't, and a plug for my upcoming appearance at Scopex in September at the Military History Museum in Johannesburg. It's going live on the 6th of August, and you're all invited. Don't miss it. Until then, though, clear skies and goodbye. <laughs>